It's good to be here. Uh, if, uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Chris, and uh, several years ago I began learning about and observing Advent. Uh, and it is a tradition that I didn't grow up with, uh, and um, one of the, and I, I'm not going to get into it here this morning except to say this, is one of the things that happens in the course of Advent is, Advent is four Sundays prior to Christmas. It is sort of the, the, the season of preparation, the season of anticipation for the coming of Jesus, and it's what connects the first coming of Christ to the second coming of Christ, and it's, you know, and the reason I started uh, learning about it and thinking about it is because it, it was always in this time of year, um, just because of the things I was involved in in church ministry, by the time Christmas came around, I, I was sick and tired of Christmas. I just wanted Christmas to be over. And I always felt like Christmas shouldn't be like that. It should be, it should be a time when by the time it gets here, we're just so excited that, that we're celebrating that Jesus came. And so that's what really Advent does is it, it's, it sets up that time of anticipation uh, for, for Christmas, which starts in the, in the traditional calendar on Christmas Eve. So, so um, one of the things that they do at, 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 with Advent is there's each week is themed, and the first week is hope this year, which was last Sunday, and this week's theme for Advent is peace. And so I want to talk this morning just a little bit about our peace, and I'm going to speak specifically about the fact that Jesus is peace. It's, it's, uh, it's not some abstract concept out there. Sometimes it is difficult for us to attain, but Jesus is peace. The person of Jesus is peace. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, and we're going to do it through the story of the shepherds this morning. But before I get into that, I want us to pray one more time, and then uh, we'll launch into the message. Father, your word is powerful. God, your word cuts into, uh, Lord, not only our mind, but into our will and our motivations. And I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit today, Lord, your word would, would cut through right into all of those areas, Lord, and, and you'd examine us and that you would motivate us and, Lord, you'd work in our will and in our hearts, Lord, to be more and more aligned with who you are and, God, with who you designed us to be. Lord, I pray that for anybody in this room who has, who, for whom peace has been difficult, that today we would just be simply reminded that you are our peace and that your coming was a reminder that you wanted us to be, you wanted us to know that you are our peace. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. There's a poet you might be familiar with an American poet, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, who was a poet during the time of the Civil War. And uh, tragically, uh, his, they had a house fire, and his wife was caught in the house fire, and uh, he tried to save her, first of all, by uh, putting a rug to put out the fire uh, and then covering her with his own body, but he was unable to save his wife. She died tragically in that fire. And um, he kept a journal. As a poet, he kept a journal, and his journal has been uh, kept and read and documented. And the first Christmas after his wife's death, Longfellow wrote these words. He said, How inexpressibly sad are all holidays. And then a year after the incident, now this is a year after 
He lost his wife. He, he wrote, I can make no record of these days. Better leave them wrapped in silence. Perhaps someday God will give me peace. He was wrestling in a time when he knew it was supposed to be about celebration, supposed to be about joy, supposed to be about peace. Because of his own circumstances and because of his own tragic loss, he couldn't find it. The next year, his son, who, uh, who had joined the Union Army against his dad's wishes, he didn't want him to go, uh, he became a lieutenant, Charlie became a lieutenant in, in uh, the Union Army, and he was... Uh, He was severely injured in battle. And so it was just after that that Henry Wadsworth Longfellow penned the words to a poem that says this, and I want you to listen to the words he writes based in the context of that story. He writes, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play of wild and sweet, the words repeat, of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth goodwill to men. It feels very much like a psalm to me, where, where often the psalmist is struggling with the circumstance and knowing what he should believe and knowing how he should feel, but, the, but how he, what he should feel and what he should believe is there's this, there's this battle between the circumstances of his life. But, but what Longfellow came to terms with this and the psalmist often came to terms with this is, listen, I recognize this is all going on, but God is not dead. And God does not sleep. And, and, and right will prevail. And uh, there will be goodwill. There will be peace on earth. And there can be peace in our lives. Christmas can be that kind of time. And I, I'll just tell you this. My life is noisy. Anybody have noisy lives? Anybody's lives noisy? What I mean by that is... There's noise everywhere we go. There's, when I'm in my car, I got noise on in my car. When I'm home, there's noise in my home. I always have some sort of ambient noise. Whether I'm watching anything or listening, there's just noise always going on in my life. Uh, you know, there's noise in my news feed. There's all kinds of stuff that's always going on. There's all kinds of responsibilities. When you go into a restaurant, what do you hear? There's always something going. You, if you go into a restaurant and there's no music going, you're like... It's so dead in here because we're so accustomed, we're so tailored to have noise, something going all the time. It's just our lives can be noisy, and that's why at this time of year, we always, we always kind of when we decorate, we have one room in particular we decorate, we put the lights up, we put the trees up in there, we put all of our Christmas stuff out there, little fire, gas fireplace in there. And I love to just go in this time of year, I love to just sit in my Christmas room. And just nothing going on. Everything's silent. And just sit there and just listen. Because I don't do it frequently enough. Because my life can be so noisy. I heard somebody say to me this morning, sometimes I just have to leave my kids. <laughs> to get away from, just, just to get some normal, you know. Sometimes, sometimes um, we need to get away from the normalcy to make room for, ki- for, for peace. 
We just do. Bethlehem was buzzing with noise at this particular uh, time. And uh, because of the census, it was crowded. Uh, Everybody was supposed to go to the home of their ancestral heritage. And so people were going and some were going to Bethlehem. It was noisy. There w- it, was, it was much more crowded than normal in this hamlet of a town called Bethlehem. The census was not a particularly fun reminder for God's people because the census was taken so that they would have adequate numbers in order to know how to tax the people. And that tax reminded God's people that though they were in the promised land, they were not free. They were under Roman rule and they would be, ta- be, they would be taxed by the Romans. So the census was not a fun time. Uh, for God's people either, and um, not a fun reminder. And we pick the story up in Luke chapter 2, and I'm not going to read this, the account of uh, the first part of that, but I'm going to start in verse 8, and we're going to read through verse 16, and it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. And I, every time I read this, I hear the voice of Linus <laughs> in the back of my head. It's true, I, every time. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now the shepherds, as you may or may not know, the shepherds in that day were not, were not ranked very high in the, in the various classes of people. In fact, they were regarded uh, fairly lowly. Uh, they were, it says, the scripture says they were living. They weren't just watching their flocks. It says they were living out in the fields. It's where they lived. Living out in the fields, um, they, were, they were known to be untrustworthy. In fact, if you were a shepherd, you were often not allowed to testify in court as a witness because you weren't trusted. They didn't know if you were going to tell the truth or if you were going to lie. You, they were often known or, or thought to be uh, thieves. And so um, the, he, here were the shepherds. Uh, they were also, because of their dealings with animals, they were considered to be unclean by religious standards because they'd touched those animals. And uh, so here they were raising sheep, probably for the Passover that would come some months later. They were just doing their job, minding their own business, doing what they do on the outskirts of town. And one angel shows up. An angel shows up and says, I bring you good news. And that good news... That gospel good news is going to be for all the people. This is good news for everybody. But then the angel very much personalizes and says this, A Savior has been born to you. And it's true for all of us. A Savior has been born to you. For every one of us. And he says, This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, the sign for these shepherds was that 
they'd find a baby lying in a manger wrapped in cloths. The reason this was the sign, the reason this was how they were going to be able to find him, because there's no other babies that are being born and lying in a manger in Bethlehem. They, they said, listen, the way you're going to find him, he's not going to be in a typical place where babies are born. He's going to, he's going to be in a manger. He's going to be lying there and he's going to be wrapped in cloths. That's how you will know. That's the sign that that's Jesus. And, and uh, so, so it was a way for them to be able to identify who Jesus was, but not only a way to identify Jesus to them, but I think it was also a way that Jesus would identify with them. No roof, poor, of no reputation. Jesus, the fact that he's born in a manger, probably by religious standards would have been considered unclean. Um, and then, of, of course, he would later become known as the Lamb of God and the Good Shepherd. So not only was this a way that the shepherds could identify who he was, but this is a way Jesus would, would identify with them. It's so Jesus of Jesus. That he comes into our world, he comes into our life, and he identifies with us, he lives among us, so that he can understand, so not, so, not so that he can understand, he already understood, but that, so that we could understand that he understands, right? That's what Jesus does. And then, so this one angel announced that, then a company of angels, I don't know how many a company is, but I think it's a lot of angels, then join this single angel, all of a sudden there's a company of angels that join him and they say, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests, that, that, that they say glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. That Jesus is coming, God is bringing Jesus so that we might find peace. This is a story of wonder and a picture of peace. And it's interesting to me that Jesus is born on the quiet outskirts of normal activity. Here Jesus was celebrated in heaven, but in an obscure place, uh, indifferent to most people on earth. Celebrated in heaven, but indifferent to most on earth. And often what happens in our lives is we are looking to live lives that are celebrated on earth. But we're not thinking about heaven. But maybe we get indifferent to heaven. We're looking for lives that are celebrated on earth. And this is why we struggle with peace often. God sent Jesus so that we could discover a different way. Discover His peace and we have a hard time making room for peace. Let me just give you some barrier, three barriers to peace. These are not certainly all the barriers, and they certainly could be listed in other ways. But let me give you three barriers to peace. One of the barriers to peace is this, is that our activity, all of the noise of our life, our activity becomes our identity. You know, we, we live the what do you do instead of who are you kind of lives. And... and um, and our, our activity becomes our identity. You know, you've, you've probably heard the saying, we, instead of human beings, we've become human doings. We just, we just, we're just identified by what, what we do. Our schedules get packed. We want to achieve, so we fill our calendar. And at the end of our days, or at the end of our weeks, or at the end of our months, we're, exa we're exhausted. But still, somehow, at the end of the day, it doesn't feel like the things we're doing are really making the kind of difference that we feel like we should be making, but we're just busy. And uh, it feels sometimes like we're spinning our wheels, but at least our activity gives off the impression that we're doing something. 
that maybe people will think just because our lives are busy enough that maybe people will think I must be doing something important because after all, look how busy they are. And the world has told us that if we get enough stuff or if we get enough money or if we get enough power or if we get enough position or if we get enough of whatever it is they think we need, then our life won't be a struggle, that someday we'll be able to rest, then we will discover peace. But we find time and time and time and time again that that is not the truth. So we keep going hard and we keep trying hard and we keep going to, in order to get or protect the illusion of what gives us peace, but Jesus says himself in John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. I don't give it to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And don't be afraid. Jesus wasn't born to fanfare in New York as a celebrity in the clamor of human activity. Jesus was born in a quiet picture of human frailty in a barn on the outskirts of Roy. <laughs> that's Jesus. That's how, that's, how he, that's how it was decided, of all the ways it could have been decided that Jesus was going to be born here. That's how, that's how it was decided. In the quietness of that place. Now it was quiet on earth, but it was not quiet in heaven. There was fanfare and there was celebration and the angels got to see that. But this reminds me that it's not in my striving, it's not in my busy activity, it's not in my stressing, but it is in my weakness that Jesus is strong. So our identity... Our activity becomes our, our identity. And secondly, we fill our lives with deadening noise. I've talked a little bit about this. But we used to, you know, it used to be kind of the joke that if you'd go to a restaurant and you'd see two people, a husband and wife, sitting across a table from each other and they were both holding the newspaper and reading the newspaper, you'd wonder, what a waste that is. Why bother even going somewhere if they're just going to sit there and read the paper, you know, while they're at the restaurant. But you know what happens now, right? We're, we're, we do the same thing. We just got our cell phones out, and we're all looking at ourselves. Our life is just, we, we have this deadening noise and, and, uh, between the news and talk radio and sports radio and our phones and television and Facebook and traffic and phone calls and texting and emails and malls and grocery stores and work demands and home demands and unfinished projects that are streaming, screaming for your attention. There's all kinds of that. So I know some of you are stressing out just even as I say that. And it's often designed, what, what happens in our lives is those things are often designed, we don't mean for it to initially, but sometimes it gets to this point where those things begin to be designed to drown out the realities of what we might just have to face in a quiet moment. That quiet just might reveal that the lack of peace is not just because of all of this activity, but the lack of peace, maybe it's eternal. Maybe it's internal. That we might discover that even in the quiet, there's not rest for my soul. But it's there. It's in that spot. It's in that space when we turn, it, turn off all the noise that we can put ourselves in a position to get perspective again. And we've got to sometimes just turn it off. And we've got to start listening and thinking, God, who have you made me to be? Who are you to me? Make room for peace. I've often said that it's in music 
I love music, and, and in music, it's often the times of rest that makes the music beautiful. If you have no rests in the music, it's just, it's just a flurry of, of, of noise. It's the rest that bring out the beauty of the music. A third reason that is a barrier to peace is that we worry. Anybody worry? Any worriers in the room? We worry, and we all have indicators of whether we have lost our peace. We get irritable, we can't sleep, we lose focus. We think about all the things that we have to do and all the things that we want to be able to control that we can't control, that we wish we could control. We wish somebody would at least control it. Paul says in the message in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, a a favorite passage of mine, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. It's it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Let me just read that one more time. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Let me just say it one last time. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. You see the word displaces? Because you can't have worry and Christ at the center. Because when Christ comes in, it displaces the worry. The worry has to go. Christ is our peace. And the shepherds heard that, that, that this Christ was coming. He would be born to you. And He would bring goodwill and peace to all men. Jesus Himself often got away from the crowds. He often got away from the noise to get alone to get perspective from, a fa- from, from his father in the midst of all that was happening in his life. He was, he, was, he was the epitome of peace. And too often our normalcy has no room for peace. It's too busy, too full of worry. And it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. The way this season tends to be celebrated is a perfect picture of that. The crowds, the noise, the pressure to get everything done, the pressure to buy just the right thing, just enough of the thing. You got to make sure it's everybody gets, you know, if they're going to buy something for you, if they bought something for you last year, you got to make sure you get something for them this year. You don't want to be that person, right? And so you go through all of you go through all of that pressure, and I would just encourage you to rebel from the expected norm and stop and make room for some peace. But peace is Jesus. You will not find peace by just being quiet. In fact, as I mentioned, sometimes the reason we don't want to get quiet, the reason we don't want to get away from all of our normal activity is because we're afraid of what we'll discover in a quiet moment. 
that we still don't have peace because we recognize it's eternal. And, and just being quiet is not enough to give us peace because peace is Jesus. When the angels made their declaration of peace to the shepherds, it was contingent on them finding Jesus. Ephesians 2 tells us He Himself is our peace. And it's in His presence that we get our perspective, that we remember who is in control. Peace is both an outcome and an indicator of our relationship to Jesus and our, our trust in Jesus. And it's in our time with Him that we're reminded. It's our time with Jesus. We're reminded He can be trusted so that when we remember that the one who holds our life in His hands, the one who would come as our Savior and as our Lord... When we remember that our life really is in His hands and that really He is big enough to handle our lives, that's when we find our peace. The presence of Jesus reminds us too of what defines us. Sometimes we don't have peace because we don't really know who we are. And the presence of Jesus reminds us of what defines us. When the shepherds came to Jesus, you know, here, here the angels appear to these shepherds and then they go to find this baby, Jesus, this one that they had been waiting for. And when they go to Jesus, they were not thinking, when they came to Jesus, when they got in the presence of this one that they had been waiting for, that had been proclaimed to them by the angels, when they got in the presence of Jesus, they weren't thinking about the perception that they were lower class. They weren't thinking about the perception that they were untrusted. They weren't thinking about the perception that they were unclean or social outcasts. That's not what was going through their head in the presence of Jesus. They had discovered their Savior who had been born for them. They were chosen this good news that was proclaimed was for them. Their life had a whole different perspective and a whole new meaning because they were one of the first ones who were able to find Jesus, these shepherds. And now people all over the world, think about it. These guys who were outcast socially, chosen by God through the voice of the angels to go find this Jesus who was born. And now they're standing in the presence of the wait, waited for Messiah. These guys, these social outcasts, are now on your fireplace mantles, in your front yards, on your living room tables. They're, they're all over. The, these guys who nobody cared about and nobody thought were worth anything... Their identity was completely transformed because they were in the presence of Jesus. And that's what happens to us. Is when we get into the presence of Jesus, the one who came to save us and the one who wants to be our Lord, it transforms our understanding of who we are. And that will give us peace because who we are is based on who God thinks we are. Peace is found in Him. And that, my friends, is what Christmas is about. So what are some steps to find peace? What are some steps to find peace? Let me give you uh, just uh, some three things that I, that I think could help us to find peace. Number one, yield your life to Christ. 
Now you might say, well, I gave my life to Christ years ago. That's, that's fantastic. Are you continuing to surrender your life to Christ? Are you continuing to yield your life to Christ? Are you continuing to say, God, I, I take it out of my hands and I put my life in your hands. You are my peace. Yield your life to Christ. Or maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. Maybe your life is your own and you're just, you're just working. You're trying, to, you're, trying to, you're trying to go hard to try to make something of your life, but you have no real relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I would just say to you, I would just plead to you this morning, yield your life to Christ because you will never have the peace of God until you have peace with God. Peace with God before, comes before the peace of God. So when those angels said to the shepherds, peace to them on whom his favor rests. Peace to them on whom his favor rests. Well, who is that? Who are those on whom his favor rests? Because he said this would be good news for all people, but then he says, goodwill and peace to those on whom his favor rests. Who are those? I w- don't you want to be one of those? You want to be the guy who, on whom his favor rests. That's who the peace is coming to. So who is that? That's those who say yes to Jesus. That's those on whom his favor rests. When you st- the, the, the scripture says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. It's on those that his favor rests. It is not based on anything we do. It is not based on our performance. It's not based on our ability. It's not based on how good we are. It is based on our willingness to say, yes, Jesus, I recognize that I need you. I recognize that my life, I I can't do this on my own, that I was born uh, with purpose that you have, that you designed for me, and I want to get back to the place where I'm in relationship with you because that's where you find on whom his favor rests. It's those who've said yes to Jesus. Ephesians actually tells us that... um, that we were those who by nature were destined for wrath, but God, because of His great mercy, brought us to life in Christ. That's, if we just say yes to Jesus, we can find the peace of God. It was Mary. The theme of this whole series that Pastor Mike is doing is let it be. And it was Mary who who was willing to say when the angel made the proclamation to her about what was going to happen, about the fact that Jesus was going to be born through her she said, let it be as you have. She said, let it be. We need to be the same kind of people who say, okay, okay, God, let it be. I want Jesus to be born into my life too. Secondly, I think a key, a step to peace is remember who your father is. Remember who your father is. And I want to tell you this story. Any Disney fans? Any Disney fans here? Diane Disney was Walt Disney's daughter. When she was just a little girl, she was in school one day and they were all introducing themselves. They were all telling their names. And each one would go, you know, would go by and they would say, you know, what's your name? First grader maybe and say, you know, my name is Brandy Armstrong. 
what's your name? My name is Roger Forsyth. I didn't know Roger and Brandy were in the same first grade class, but <laughs> but they got to they got to Diane. What's your name? Diane Disney. And the whole class kind of erupted. Oh, Diane Disney. And she got she got a little upset. And the teacher said, "What's the matter? What's wrong?" She said, "Well, they're making fun of me." And she said, no, 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 they're not making fun of you. It's your, it's your name. And she said, what about your name? She said, what's your name? Diane Disney. Yes, your name. Who's your dad? Walter. Yeah, like Walt Disney, right? Your, your dad is Walt Disney. Like Mickey Mouse is your brother. I mean, this is your, like Disneyland, right? She said, yeah. And then one of her classmates asked her if she could get her dad's autograph. And, her, and, and, and Diane Disney didn't understand what was going on. And so she got home and she went and she saw her dad. There. Her dad had a paper in front of him. She went over to her, her dad and she grabbed that paper out and she said this. Why didn't you ever tell me you were Walt Disney? <laughs> and it said for weeks, Diane Disney walked around in awe of who her father was. Sometimes we need somebody to remind us of who our father is. Because our father is not just the father of Disneyland. He's the father of all the land. He's the king of kings, and he's the lord of lords, and he's the alpha, and he's the omega, and he's the beginning, and he's the end, and he's the creator, and he's the sustainer of our life. That is our father. That is the one who decided that he loved you so much that he would send his only son to be born on the outskirts of Bethlehem in a humble manger and that he would live this life and that he would die on a cruel cross to pay for our sin and he would rise again to give us life again. That's our father. And he loves us. And sometimes the reason we don't have peace is we've forgotten who our father was. And our father can take care. He's so great and he's so big. He can take care of any need you will ever have. And he understands every pain that you're dealing with and every struggle you're working through. God does not leave you. He is with you. He understands and he's walking with you and he can deal with it. And as long as we're willing to put our hands in the hands of our father, that's where our peace will come. Lastly, would you stand with me? A a last step to find peace is to simply pray this prayer. If you're like me, and I'll admit, my, my pet sin is worry. It's a it's 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 the sin that I struggle with. Not the only sin I struggle with. But maybe you need to pray with me. A prayer simple like this. God, I am worried about fill in the blank. I need your help. I need your peace. And I will daily trust you with blank. Maybe you just need to say that prayer. So I want us to pray. I want us to close in prayer. Maybe, maybe you need to yield your life to Christ, maybe for the first time or maybe again. Maybe you need to remember who your father is. It's this one who would, 
who would send angels to appear to obscure shepherds and bring them into the story and transform their identity. That's where our peace is. Maybe you need to pray this prayer. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray, and I'd like you to, to just bow your head and close your eyes. I just want to ask you this morning, if there's something that you're worried about that's robbing you of your peace, would you just slip up your hand? I want to. I just want to see your hand. I want to be praying for you as I close in prayer. If maybe for you the Christmas season is not one of peace and you want prayer, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Okay. Father, sometimes peace can, 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 can seem so obscure and fleeting and conditional upon our circumstances, but your word tells us very clearly Jesus is peace. When you appear to those shepherds, peace would be found if they found Jesus. Their identity would be transformed if they found Jesus. Lord, when we get in the presence of Jesus, that's when we get perspective again, when we remember, God, that you are our Father. That everything else in life pales in comparison because you're that great. And Lord, I pray that for those who are struggling in circumstances, maybe in their family, or maybe in their finances, maybe in their workplace, maybe with their health, Lord, maybe they're dealing with loss and they're struggling to find peace, particularly in this season. Would you bring each one, God, into your presence in a new and a fresh way? Lord, would, they help, would, you, would you help them to see you And God, in seeing you and encountering you, would come back into that place of peace. Lord, I pray that we would not try to seek to find it through other means. But Lord, we would always seek that, to find that our peace is in Jesus. Lord, for anybody in this room who maybe has never given their lives to you, I pray today would be a, lie, a, a day when their life is transformed, when they could find peace with God and the peace of God. God, thank you for this, this time of year. Thank you for a time of peace on earth and goodwill to men. And I pray we would be agents of both peace and goodwill everywhere we go as we go today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God, bless Pastor Mike. Would you just give him your peace today? In Jesus' name, amen.